0: Canada has welcomed the digital economy like few other countries, but we're still reliant on physical identity documents to access government services or complete high-value transactions. Interact is working to address this gap and make a secure, convenient, and private-enhancing digital ID ecosystem a reality for Canadians. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca. Hey everyone! It's Friday, March fifteenth. In uh, in Donald Trump style, I've got Shannon McLean's and David Canadian Press with <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm hilarious. I've got to say, the excuses to that um, to Trump, to Trump's Tim Apple flub were hilarious. Like at first, it was he the, was in a hurry. At first, it was in, it was um, uh, he did it to save time, and then it was I, I just said cook really fast, and no one heard cook. So oh the best the best headline I heard was from the Washington Post, and it read. Uh, he saved point twenty seven seconds by not including Tim Cook's last name. Efficiencies. Efficiencies.
1: Mm-hmm. It's the small things. They add up. <laughs> Next thing you know, he won't talk at all. And everything will get done.
0: And he's just like... Silence. silence. Can you imagine? Can you My imagine me. that no, I can, It's No,
1: it's no, not I know. possible. I wrote it on Twitter a couple
2: of months ago. Like, there will come a day... When you will go an entire day of your life and you won't hear his name or his voice. Like, it's probably not gonna be for a long time. Yeah, today's not whether, that day. Whether, even if he win, re-win, wins election, it's how long is weird. he gonna be a specter in the air? But someday, mm-hmm. it, will it will just be silent. It will just be silent.
0: Okay, so unlike other weeks where we're, we're we're not going to spend the majority of our time on the SNC Lavallière affair, but let me just add, we have been doing that because it's a complicated issue and one that deserves serious teasing out. So there are, um, you know, there are many unique aspects to this issue and um, and things that aren't talked about in the everyday. So that's that's why we do that and. Uh, Yeah, I digress. So while there have been fewer updates this week, there are still some notable takeaways. On Monday, the Organization for um, Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, released a statement raising the alarm about the scandal um, and the allegations reaffirmed by Jody Wilson-Raybould in her testimony on, uh, I think that was February 27th now. So in this letter to Canada, the group said they were concerned and would be following the situation closely. Can, David, can you break down what um, this this notice of concern means and and sort of what our relationship is to the OECD?
1: The OECD is an international organization uh, that promotes trade uh, and interactions among largely developed economies and uh, it, it doesn't enforce rules but it encourages the countries that trade with each other and have market economies to come together and set rules that they agree on on how you know economic regulation financial regulation ought to work and part of that is anti-corruption work and canada is a signatory to uh, an anti-bribery convention where the idea was to get developed countries to kind of do their own policing of their own citizens and businesses that do business in less developed countries that might not have the same enforcement mechanisms that we do. So if we have people or companies that engage in corruption to get business in countries that might not be in a position to enforce them, Canada is supposed to bring down the hammer on its own Hmm. people, which is kind of how we got into this SNC-Lavalin situation in the first place. It's because of this anti-bribery convention that Canada has its anti-bribery law under which SNC-Lavalin is charged. Oh, interesting. And one of the rules is uh, that there is not supposed to be political interference or intervention in these cases for the benefit of so your own home companies. Because that, that's contrary to the entire purpose of this convention and this law.
0: So the the, the law we have, um, uh, the bribery law that we have um, that is actually charging SNC-Lavalin, or through which SNC is, is charged, is actually the one that's now... Putting the Canadian government under exactly.
1: fire, and the OECD. I mean, it, it's the OECD is not uh, it's not international police, but it is a, a in Canada, sort of a middle power uses these multilateral organizations uh, to kind of push its message, and because we, we don't really have the the weight to throw around the way larger countries and economies do, we we work through these multilateral organizations, and it's in our interest to be seen to be Boy Scouts within them. And here is the OECD saying. We're just keeping an eye on stuff. It's not the same thing as a condemnation. It's not, you know, they and they can't come in and arrest people or levy fines against Canada. But we're being watched. And we're being watched by an organization that represents other developed countries that we like to think of ourselves as a, a leader among.
0: So even if the Justice Committee investigation... Um, comes back with nothing there is let's say I don't know let's say that that there's nothing to go forward on do they still need to go and and, um, answer to the OECD
1: they don't answer to the OECD but they are being like other countries other signatories to this convention and there are several dozen of them we get reported on every once in a while, oh, I see. Uh, and I think Canada's turn is up again in 2021 or 2022. Uh, the last time they reported on Canada was 2011, so it's been a while. And even then, the OECD said there don't seem to be really tough enforcement mechanisms for this anti-bribery law. We haven't seen a lot of prosecutions. We haven't seen uh, certainly have not seen a lot of convictions. And actually, a reporter I work with, Mia Rabson, wrote a story about this uh, just yesterday, talking about Canada by the standards. Standards of other companies or other countries, rather, that are signatories to this convention, doesn't do a lot of prosecuting under this law, right. and has not actually brought a corporation to trial yet. SNC Lavalin uh, okay, would be the right, first. Right. There have been a few guilty pleas and and a couple of other things, but we bring charges rarely, and when we do, they often lead to acquittals and stays.
0: Now, this isn't the first of the sorry, first group external to the case the um that has commented on it like the Pro- public prosecution service of canada i think it was um Last week, yeah, the, tweeted about the
2: tweet. Which mm-hmm. I think somebody. they didn't. They claim that it was just a pre-programmed tweet. They had a new account, and no, 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 this wasn't a sp- this wasn't a, a call out to anyone. It was just regular scheduled no, we're programming. Just, which, we're just testing some messages. I don't know. That seems a little bit hard to grasp, but okay.
0: Um, so OECD, I mean, that's an international group. So what is what is the 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 impact of having more? It feels like it, it's broadening out. It's getting bigger.
2: Like, it's not clear to me if there's sort of teeth to OECD enforcement or, or if there is enforcement but it's more it doesn't look great, right? It, it kind of, it kept the story going a little bit on, on a day when it had been quiet for a mm-hmm. few days. Like we've sort of been talking yes. about the relentless pace of this and that part of the relentless pace was that there was always fresh news. There was always sort of fresh chum thrown into the water and so part of this is it just gave it new oxygen uh, in in a period of time where there otherwise was kind of nothing until I I'm think, assuming we're going to talk about the Emergency Justice Committee meeting this yes. week. Um Like the PM was away I think mm-hmm. actually yeah, when this kind of came right, out. right. The the infamous Florida vacation that was tracked by local Florida media. <laughs> um, yeah, so it gave it kind of fresh oxygen. It's not a great look. Um, apparently, OECD, it's not it's not unusual for them to sort of monitor things like this. But to come out with a statement, much less a press release on something like this, is a bit unusual. They would normally kind of comment on something like this within the scope of a report where <laughs> it would be sort of softened and diluted. But it's a little bit unusual and, and more sort of forceful for them to sort of say. Like we're watching, we're like watching in a public yeah. forum.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the thing I had heard is that um, they will write this report. They will watch. They will write this report, and then it'll be up to can, the Canadian government to respond to the to the report. So yes, yeah, so let's talk about this this on Wednesday. Then there was this, uh, the the Justice Committee studying the issue, held an emergency meeting to decide the the fate of the issue or essentially next steps. Um, it ended early in less than 30 minutes. Super early. Super, super early. Uh, and i think it should be like this is march break for for right everybody so yep. they had come back to do this emergency meeting and
1: technically a special meeting a special not an emergency a special, meeting they don't oh, have emergency okay. meeting right. oh sorry but it was a special meeting a special it was not a regularly scheduled
2: meeting and they had some substitutions right they didn't have all the usual oh, yeah, cast right. of characters around the table cuz people were hither and yon
0: hither and yon okay so after so, the, so the, the the liberal majority shut it down deciding to wait until march 19th to debate in camera non televised whether to bring back Jody Wilson, the big question is whether to bring back Jody, the former AG Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, to testify for a second time, um, to, to respond to the, um, to the statements since her first appearance. So opposition wasn't pleased. And I heard it was, it ended in
2: howling and... Like, literally howling. Like, because they called the end of the meeting so quickly and called a vote mm-hmm. on that. It was scheduled to go on for two hours. I think they were 24 or 26 minutes in. So you have to imagine the opposition MPs think we're just getting They're warmed getting up. up. Like, let's lean into this. And then uh, Francis Drew and one of the Liberal right. members m- just moved to end the meeting. And then um, immediately they called a vote and... And, and that's it. So you, and you could hear as they called the vote, The I think it was Pierre Polliver and, and I, for, I forget who else, other conservative Lisa members Wright was there as well. Just yelling, cover yeah. up, cover up. And then as they kind of went around the table and were forced to record their vote, they were quite strident in saying, I am voting against this cover up. I am voting mm. against this, you know, yeah. awful measure. I think
1: I'm wrong about Lisa Wright. But there, yeah, I yeah, don't, I don't think were, I heard her were, voice
2: in there. Yeah. But uh, yes, it was quite dramatic. Um, Dang, was yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of kind of...
1: It's all procedural Chesaree going on, right? Yeah, and stunts partisans- back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's partisanship, but it's also the whole thing is really for show. Yeah, and everyone was using it to their best advantage. Advantage. So this, there was this regularly scheduled meeting, and there still is this regularly scheduled meeting for the nineteenth. For the nineteenth. Which also happens to be federal budget day, which
0: we should talk about. So yeah.
1: if you're yeah. the liberals, and I'm not going to prejudge what they're going to do, but. If the Liberals were going to vote to not recall Jody Wilson-Raybould, that would be a day to do it for minimal attention. Right. Not like no one's going to notice. But well, well, and MLS. we wouldn't hear anything
2: about it because it's in camera anyway, right? Yeah, All although if they come the, out
1: and not uh, sure, we wouldn't know how they did it. Sure. We know the opposition wants to bring yes. her back. And so if they don't, it'll be fairly clear how it happened. Yeah. But um, And so the, the, the opposition members force this meeting in the middle of a slower news week. Right. And it, they hold it out in the open for the purpose of probably getting the liberals to postpone it, which the liberals cooperated in doing, and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, I mean, ultimately, I think if we're going to judge uh, the liberals for covering up... We have to wait until they actually do that. We which won't be until the nineteenth.
0: And I should be noted, journalists are in lockup all that day. So you know, the news would come out after whether or not she would come back again and then it would be sort of this mix up of budget and And budget that news.
2: day is like the number one day when everyone in Ottawa is occupied, right? Yeah. Sean
0: Tallybert on, on at issue last night was saying, like if the Liberals think that they can somehow shuffle this news under budget let's say she they've decided sure. to bring her back like there's no chance in hell that will become secondary news that's 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 the top right there sure
2: but i just think any amount of dilution helps them like yes. it's just there's it's, only so many yes. minutes in a broadcast to talk about a bunch of stories and the budget's going to be a big one so it's just there's still a, a dilution effect that that helps them
0: now she wrote a letter sort of reaffirming her position as a liberal mm-hmm. uh, to her constituents and, um, you know, saying she learned a lot, something of that sort, and and was going to grow from this experience.
2: What was that sort of Well, signaling? I mean, one of the open questions still hanging out there is, is she going to stay in caucus, like, of her own volition? Is she going to be kicked out? Is this going to be awkward for her to run under the liberal banner, given how much sort of strife there has been? So it seems like she's trying to reaffirm that mm-hmm. um, from her own position that that she's staying, she's she's running for the red team kind of thing. Um, it, it, she did also write another letter saying she's happy to appear before the committee. However, she indicates she still thinks her hands are tied as far as what she can say about, you know, the time period yeah. after she's already covered in her testimony. Um, and I think part of the tricky thing for the Justice Committee is that they already set a precedent of Michael Warnock coming back to, to rebut testimony right. given in between. They already have a pattern That's of someone true. who appeared twice to kind of rebut new information because of the way this is kind of That's unfolded true. chapter by chapter so it's 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 just a much trickier thing for them to say look we heard from her we're done because the opposition canon is saying well you heard from the clerk twice like we we feel there's open questions really important ones for her why not bring her back a second time
0: and it was francis Druin who 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 had um you know, sort of shut down the the meeting on Wednesday. He's quoted saying Ms. Wilson-Raybould has said in in response to Elizabeth May and Nathan Cullen that nothing illegal was committed, nothing criminal was committed, so now the conversation has to shift between whether or not the Attorney General and the Minister of Justice, those roles should be split. End right. of quote. So it's clear that they, they were sort of like a
2: beautifully message. distilled summation of like <laughs> internal liberal calm strategy, right? That's right, one of my yeah. favorite things in politics when someone accidentally uses their outside voice to say the inside <laughs> voice thing, like like we need Let's to shift see. the conversation, and now here's what we're going to focus on. Which clearly that's smart strategy. Obviously, that's what yeah. they were going to do, but it's kind of nice when they just lay it out there. And I think a lot of people are a bit exhausted from the conversation
0: too, and and probably it was a smart call to do that. Um, okay. So we will see on on Tuesday. It's budget day, as we've mentioned. Um, and I saw Mr. Morneau got a new pair, or not a new pair, he, repair his yes. shoes? he repaired Same his shoes, shoes. from two, the twenty sixteen budget. Yes,
1: yeah, doing as Canadians do, uh, getting them resold and fixed up and right. made good as new without having to buy new. At, That's right. As I understand it, a female-owned uh, cobbler in Kensington Market <laughs> in Toronto. I saw
0: that. Yep. Yeah. Saw some photos of that. Interesting. We had John Manley on the other day um, talking about the tradition. He said it actually isn't that long of a tradition when him and his team looked it up. And uh, so he decided and said to um, skate into work that day and carry his skates in. Yeah. It was it was, like, it was a cute story. Okay. On to our next topic here. This past weekend, devastatingly, an Ethiopian Airlines plane taking off from Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, crashed almost immediately after takeoff, killing all 157 people on board. Eighteen of those passengers were Canadians. A handful of them actually were from Ottawa specifically. Uh, just terrible, terrible news. So cities around the world obviously have been mourning the victims following the crash. The UK, the European Union, Australia and other countries made moves to ban their fleets of this specific plane, Boeing 737 MAX 8s as well as 9s from their airspace. Um, Canada held out on that front. And Shannon, you you actually um, you wrote... A, a few different articles, maybe just one, but it kind of encompassed all of it. But can you break down what the response was originally from Transport Minister um, Mark Garneau and how that sort of changed over like literally the course of a night I guess.
2: Yeah, he gave sort of this remarkable press conference on on Wednesday, at least I thought it was quite striking. So you had this cascade of countries uh, grounding these flights, right? I think China might have been the first and then you had like China and India and Turkey, Uzbekistan, then the entire European Union. So so it, it, there started to be an enormous amount of pressure and focus on Canada and the US as the two obvious holdouts. Yeah. And I think there's been kind of two things going on. A lot of people have been talking about we have to wait for evidence, we have to not react. Um, perhaps as someone with a latent fear of flying that I just have to set aside when I, I do. Oh, me too. I think with something yeah. like this, there is a certain amount of human emotion that comes in that can't quite be discounted just because of kind of the visceral nature of it. I agree. So Canada and the US are, are the two holdouts. Mark Garneau announces that he's going to have a press conference on Wednesday. And then the press conference was delayed and sort of was like very obviously rushing in last minute. And he made a point of saying, we got new data overnight that we've just been reviewing this morning. And I think everyone in the National Press Theatre was sort of expecting... message to be status quo because it had been so sort of stubbornly that since Sunday. And then instead he said, I'm grounding all the planes too. And what happened out of that or or following that just a few hours later, the FAA in the US made the same decision uh, to ground all the planes. And so effectively all of those planes across the, the world are now not flying anymore. But what was kind of remarkable in this press conference is you couldn't have had a minister better suited to the file, right? He's (laughs) a pilot, he's an astronaut, um, he's an aeronautical engineer, and he's also, I would argue, very effective communicator. So, Mm. of course, we start asking immediately, what's the data you got? Yeah, what is the data? Uh, An interesting thing out of it, I'll, I'll follow up on later, was that they wouldn't tell us where they got it until the next day, which was sort of a strange wrinkle. But he said that basically the data they got suggested a disconcerting similarity between the flight paths of the Ethiopian Airlines' crash that crashed this uh, Ethiopian's airline flight, pardon me, that crashed this weekend and the Lion Air flight that crashed into the Java Sea off the coast of Indonesia in October, same which model. was the same model. And this was sort of the pattern people were pointing to as disconcerting. Both quite new planes, both crashed very soon after takeoff. Mm. And then you have the specter of Mark Garneau explaining to people in in quite <laughs> cogent, clear technical detail what the flight path showed. So these were not images, it was satellite data where basically the airplanes are pinging satellites, sending information about their positioning that allowed them to look at the trajectory as they lifted off. And I realize I'm talking with my hands on the radio, which doing makes no sense mark here.
1: No impression, I'm doing a, a Mark
2: no impression. Kind of like a but I'm going to try to it's explain it to verbally. So he explained that what they saw was this up and down, up and down trajectory as the plane lifted off, which is both highly unusual oh, God. and... Um, Indicative of a similar problem in the two flights. And then he explained more technically what was going on, which is that they think the angle of attack sensors were faulty. They know now in the Lion Air crash because the the, at least the preliminary investigation has taken place. The angle of attack sensors are faulty. And what that does is tells the plane whether its nose is at the correct angle as it lifts off, because Mm -hmm. apparently if a plane lifts off too steeply, it can stall. Um, it, which means that like the aerodynamic lift is just not there anymore. And so they know now in the Indonesian crash that that was faulty. And basically what happened is the autopilot function of the plane senses, oh, our nose is too high. We need to point it back mm. toward the earth. The pilot says, no, no, it's fine. What are you doing? It tries to pull back. And that's where you're seeing this kind of undulating flight path until ultimately mm. the pilots... It, we he think. lost
0: that fight, right? He, he lost said.
2: that fight, yeah. is what he said. Yeah. And so you had him explaining this in quite clinical detail as his hands are going up and down. He looked, I thought he looked like he just a little well. boy with his hand out the car window on a road trip. <laughs> like there was something so visceral about the technical explanation and then thinking about what that must have felt
0: like. Oh, man. Um,
2: so, like, I, I think the whole aim of the the press conference was to be very reassuring. We have this in I, hand. And I and, thought it was quite anxiety-producing. And you have, like, the the, the the guy that would make
0: you feel all the, the reassuring things, sure. right? Like, but then you also were like, okay... So, Man, you've been
1: in space. Like I don't. You've I'm, done an incredibly dangerous uh, yes. thing yeah. in the air. Yeah, like come willingly.
0: On. Do I? You have do a certain threshold, threshold
1: <laughs> set for anxiety. He's yourself. like,
0: you know, it's just a little, just a yeah, little. Yeah, and struggling. I should, I should <laughs>
2: hasten to add, I'm not saying he was the least bit glib right. about this. Yeah. I was just sort of, I found a disconnect between the, the calming tone and just the reality. Thinking yes. about it as a passenger, as a pilot, I don't think he, his tone was off at all. It, it was just sort of a strange thing to behold.
0: There is something the the and 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 we heard it from many experts um, around this issue. Like the safest way to travel is by plane. Sure. The most dangerous your position you're in is actually on your way to the airport in your car. And yet, like you said, you said there's like this human phobia around, uh, obviously, around uh, around flying. Um, And I think it's because the devastation can be so large and so dramatic. It's total, right? It's total. It's total.
1: And none of it's in your hands. And none of it's in your hands. You go, you strap yourself in, and you hope for the best. And it... Almost always, sure. Statistically, it is the safest way to travel. But but no control on your part whatsoever. You can't react. All you can do is sit there while other people do stuff.
0: Now, some some people are reading into this idea that he we did Canada did take um, sort of a longer time to ground our 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 fleet of of these planes, and um, that that there was this reversal. Do we need to? uh, And I think specifically, it's important to to sort of um, put into context the U.S. perspective. I mean, Trump is. Uh, very close with the the Boeing CEO. There's
2: also the fact that the FAA is the certifying body for the plane. So because Boeing is an American company and the plane is American made, they effectively take the lead on saying this model of plane is fit to fly. Right. So the FAA's reluctance to act on this was more significant than any other random countries would have been also you have the close mm-hmm. relationship between Canada and the US right. and yeah the fact that Trump has been a vocal supporter of Boeing and close with its CEO i think when he had his manufacturing uh was it his manufacturing group or advisory group and then they yeah. all quit on him after Charlottesville that guy stood by him very strategically right. quietly so there were there were certainly tendrils of what is going on politically here in the US and how much pressure is Canada under to follow mm-hmm. suit kind of thing
1: I think I and mean, one legitimate read on this is that Canada made a more considered decision yeah. than yep. some other places sure. did. Because there are 300 and some odd of these planes out there to have crashed, devastatingly, but that could have been explained by just bad luck. Mm-hmm. There have been other models mm-hmm. of planes where that has happened over Absolutely. extended periods as well. So looking, you know, to, to make a decision like this based on gut rather than considered assessment of risks, I think, would have been wrong. Yeah.
2: You could argue uh, Canada simply out, waited for evidence. Yeah. And uh.
1: once they had that in hand, yeah. they right. did it. I think, it.
2: too, the, uh, uh, there was a Canadian-specific context in that after the Lion Air crash, Boeing and the FAA, I believe, came out with some updated sort of training and procedural measures to yes, compensate to- for what they believed mm-hmm. to be one of the issues there, which was this issue with the autopilot function sort of taking over and battling with the pilot. Canada went even further and basically mandated that their pilots, I think there, there was sort of an issue with the manual was quite complex. And so you can imagine if you're fighting with your plane, where it keeps trying to nose itself toward the ground and you're a pilot pulling back, having to then literally flip through a manual and see oh, where gosh. the steps are for you yeah. basically shutting off that autopilot. So what Canada did was go further than sort of the international requirements and require their pilots to memorize all those steps so that there would not be any checklist to go through. So perhaps there was also a measure and I think Mark Garneau kind of nodded at that earlier in the week when he was still saying we're not making this call. He was talking about how well trained the Canadian pilots are. And I think that's exactly what he was referring to that we have confidence that if this glitch happens we have trained our people above and beyond the international standard to cope with it so there might have been a little extra kind of yeah confidence a there a sense
1: that we we were equipped i think i'm going to be
2: checking the like tailgate well, number that's what i was, i wonder about lot. it from a public relations st- standpoint and an issues management standpoint like Obviously, they're going to do some kind of very thorough investigating and fixing before any, you know, government agency allows these planes back into the air. But how do both carriers and Boeing itself reassure the public that that whatever went wrong here has been robustly fixed such that it's not like we're not talking a software patch on an app on your phone. Like, how do you show people that you have really um, like you've done the work and it's rock
1: Yeah. And this is the flip side of the thing where this there are relatively few instances of this. If it doesn't come up that much, how do you prove sure. that it's been fixed? You know, do they have to fly several million more miles between them before right. we run into the next instance of this? That's interesting. How do yeah. you prove it? it's yeah. it's a it's a as right. you say, it's a real issues management challenge. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, moving onward. Uh, This week we saw the largest U.S. college admission scam ever administered uh, by the Department of Justice. So, dubbed Operation, I love this, Varsity Blues. (laughs) The scam involves at least 50 people, I think, still, including celebrities, executives, coaches, um, and essentially, like, Basically, these rich people coughed up some big time cash, anywhere from two hundred thousand dollars to six point five million, to get their kids into the top U.S. schools. We're talking Harvard, Princeton, Yale, but also some more like B class, A minus schools like University of South Carolina and so on. So, uh, Southern California, or sorry, uh, Southern, yeah. um, Southern, Cali- so- 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 Southern, Southern California. Exactly, USC. USC.
1: <laughs> USC. <laughs>
0: um, notably, actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan have been charged. Um, uh, Lachlan was released, I think, on a million-dollar bond a few days ago. Um, she's obviously best known for her role in uh, Full House as Aunt Becky. Yep. As Aunt Becky. Yep. Yeah, I loved her. Uh, in some cases, uh, this was done through the um, competitive sport adminis- admission process. So these parents paid for f- you know fake sport credentials. Literally, like some of them, the extent to which they went to do this is crazy. The literally, details are amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's going to be a movie. Literally, some of them um, got staged photo shoots of their kids playing water polo or running tracks. Some of them got you know their kids faces uh, photoshopped onto athletes. Um, in one instance, the head soccer coach at Yale accepted something like four hundred thousand dollars to
2: accept a student who had never played soccer. Can I tell you my favorite detail from yes, the sport please. aspect of it? That one set of parents worked with a graphic designer. Like like the like the fact that you're starting from a starting point of people with a lot of means sort of like ups the ante and all this. So they hired a professional graphic designer the best in the to states. help them create a photoshopped image of their child playing water polo, which this child did not do or did not do at any particular level in order to make the team. And then they sent the photo proof, I guess, to the guy who was kind of running this scam or to someone who was an intermediary yeah. and said, does this look good? Will this work? And they replied and said, too high up in the water. No pa- no player gets up that high. Like, adjust <laughs> oh it down. Like, like this is That's like... The uh, detail. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So
1: like, <gasps> or overshooting the mark Yeah, right. <laughs> Too much hair. Too much hair. <laughs> my favorite detail is that the, I think it's the Stanford University sailing coach was implicated in all this for designating... Sailing students (laughs) for the Stanford sailing team who are not sailors and thus enabling them to get in with a lower standard, apparently, as student-athletes. Stanford's sailing team was <laughs> an instrument of corruption. And Stanford, Stanford fired the guy and according to their press release, like he pleaded guilty later that day. So there there are you know, all these people yeah. charged and Stanford, some sailing Stanford done nothing Stanford sailing wrong, thrown into disarray. That's amazing. Apparently sta- yes, Stanford has a sailing team. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like, is your uniform at that point just whatever the Ralph Lauren collection <laughs> for that year is? Like, I'm no, sorry yeah, to like completely Ralph indulge Lauren in stereotypes Ralph Lauren definitely sponsors here,
0: but, that team. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the Tide... You know, the, the cardigan tied around the shoulders. 100%. So, other times students had, had, had um, help cheating on SATs and other big exams. The mastermind behind this scam was a guy named uh, William Rick Singer, CEO and, and master coach of the world's largest private life coaching and college con- um, counseling company, Edge College and Career Network, also known as The Key. I love that. It sounds like the secret. Me too. I love that. If you will it, it will be. Again, I think the movie's going to be called The Key. Oh, yeah. So, sadly, um, I I mean, I wasn't, like, I was kind of, I was surprised by the extent, again, to which, like, parents were going to achieve these results. But I I wasn't shocked that this was happening. Frankly, I kind of thought it was already happening
2: in the States that people were paying to get in. So, I think a lot of people had the reaction of you or a slightly different variant on it, which is, What are you people, stupid, breaking the law? Why don't you just do the perfectly legal side door, which is you donate a truck full of money, like you just back it up to a university building Mm -hmm. and like, like lift up the bed and off it goes and then your kid gets in magically or the legacy route. Um, so there was sort of some kind of cynical hilarity around that. Um, the, I mean, it's the details, right? It's it's the color. It's the the, the oh, inclusion so of these dope. two. I don't even know if you'd call them B-list actors or like sort are of they, nostal- recent nostalgia favorites. Yeah. But I favorites. love that it was
0: kind of B-list actors. Like it wasn't that. It's yeah. just so
2: perfect. I saw someone tweeted the best thing about this is if it hadn't actually involved Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan, those are the two actresses you would have cast yeah. to play the characters yeah. in like the inevitable TV movie.
1: Yeah. Felicity Huffman has faded a little bit, but she was
2: a star. Uh, what was the, that show? Uh, Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. Yeah. 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 And she's married Before to that, William H. Kirk, Macy, but, who's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Who's
1: also not charged, but mm. sort of implicated. Yes. You know, he apparently was on some of these calls that they have transcripts of. Oh, so it's just her. She's the only one charged, and it's not obvious to me why. Oh, I'm sure they have their reasons. But it's, this was... This okay, was, okay, yeah. He's he's He was involved in there. His yeah, backstory.
0: yeah. And I'm sure Laurie, Laurie's husband is um, like a, a, a designer. designer. Massimo,
2: I don't okay, know
1: the yeah, last name. Yeah. But don't. I
2: think it's like that's his eponymous clothing line is Massimo. Uh, right. Massimo, um, yeah. yeah.
0: No, but it's perfect. You're right. And there's so much color to it.
2: And then you have like the, like Lori Laughlin's social media influencer. I want to set myself on fire for using that phrasing. Daughter, who is one of the ones that they paid to get into school, who like posts these Instagram videos in which she muses very happily about, I guess I'll go to college, but like I'm not really (laughs) in class. I just want game days and partying. And, and so then you have people uh, completely understandably, like the tops of their heads blowing off going... Do you have rich parents scamming to get these kind of feckless kids into schools when you have all kinds of kids who can't get in or don't have the means and they don't even care about an education to begin with? The the New York Times Daily did a really interesting unpacking of it with two of their education reporters on, I think it was Thursday, the day after. Yes, Brilliant. And so so one of the things they said that I thought was a really interesting kind of like you have to go three or four steps deep before you start thinking about this, but it's quite relevant, is that statistics show Kids who are born into wealth don't benefit that much from getting an education, like mm-hmm. a great education that's not gonna vault them up too many steps in life. Mm-hmm. So then you have to question. Well, I mean, first of all, you have to think, are rich parents aware of that? Maybe not. But so then what is at the root of this? Like, what is the motivation for the parents? Is it bragging rights mm-hmm. that your kid got in? Some of the fact the fact that some of the schools were sort of idiosyncratic choices, like certainly there were some Ivy League schools there, but there were some kind of random, you know, middle-tier ones where you thought the The narrative that emerges there is that that kid just wanted to go to that school. It's not like mm-hmm. the school, and the parent just wanted the certainty of knowing they would get in. It sounds like some of the kids were in on it. Some of the kids were deliberately Which kept I feel oblivious. Sad that some of them didn't even know.
0: Like some of the kids yeah. were finding out. This yeah, week.
2: because the further point, I thought the most brilliant point that came out of the Daily was one of these education reporters saying, "The thing is, if you don't know how many how many advantages you got, how many people helped you." You don't realize the wind's at your back. You think that you deserve everything you got. Like it's like an extreme version of being born on third base and thinking you hit a home run. That is a privilege. These kids who don't know who get into these schools and then presumably in some cases cruise through not really dedicated to it. They don't even know the strings that were pulled to get them there. And
0: it's just so that their their parent, and I love this, they mentioned this in that podcast, um, such as other parents can have like a, like a, I go to Princeton license plate. Thing or whatever. yeah, like a bumper
2: like, sticker. My kid goes
1: to yeah. a bumper
0: sticker. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the th-
1: kids who didn't get to go because these kids did, which you mentioned, and that, that's where this stops being funny at this all. Is, this, is, this, is this is when very you look serious. at the, the yeah. cost yeah. of yeah. of this thing. And, and it, 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 yeah. on one level, it's it's hilarious and sad sure. and Schadenfreude and so what? on. And then there's the the, the the massive rank injustice. Oh, and where like, else is this
2: happening? That they didn't get caught, yeah. that they just oh, weren't snared in this particular investigation. What other sort of just on the border of licit and illicit? things are going on that are well just everybody's getting he's not
0: i bet he's not the only person doing this i mean this sounds like a very sophisticated operation but there's probably other people and it again like you said david it just shows the the sort of um the wealth gap and at at that in the states and that it keeps opportunities away from people that actually need it and 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 um,
1: deserve it speaks to how baroque the U.S. college admissions process oh is as God. well. Like, this wasn't just one no. form of scam that this this guy has, had mastered. There were SAT cheats. There were yeah. bribery of there was bribery of of, of coaches to designate people yeah. for admission. There was this. There was that. At different schools, different players. Like there was a there were all these different ways of doing this, that this guy made a living at, but that all these schools, including A-list schools, were vulnerable to.
2: They accepted it. Well, even the fact that there there are spots set aside for student-athletes. Like, that's still spots that. that Academically deserving students are not getting because yeah. they haven't been recruited to a varsity team like that in itself is kind of weird. <laughs> but, yeah, let's <laughs> let's one again not forget more time. the Stanford sailing. Yeah, there's one no reason
1: time. why the sailing team Actually, should be what? different from the football team or or the lacrosse team. But, but let's just Stanford say it, sailing team. Who, who gets be, into the, who who? I mean, hypothetically, right? A level basketball. Collegiate, you know, you could, you—that's a much more accessible sport, th- yes. let's say, yep. than the lacrosse team, or certainly the sailing team. Yeah, what sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old college applicant gets to be? Sport. Yeah. Yeah. And so there there's a there's a built-in advantage for people who have access to that. The sc- all by itself.
0: The sport admission process though in the states is an interesting one. It is so competitive. I I watched this um Last Chance You. It's a a series on Netflix about the college or high school football program and and p- trying to push kids into college football. And I mean, it is an entire Society on its own, like mm-hmm. it is, it's really interesting the power of football and 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 competitive sport in the uh, the college process. I, I did kind of think I was like, oh, I wonder if this kind of stuff happens in Canada. But I know that mm-hmm. there's cuz I know that there's leg- legacy preferences in Canada. Um, you know, if your father went to X, your mother went to X, you are more likely to get a f- score a few extra points to get into X school.
1: I I, I don't know. If I assume it's still done the same way in Ontario at least when I applied to universities, there was just a there's a central clearinghouse. You yeah. send you you'd list where you want to apply, just a form. you send your fee, and then all your Scores your grades uh, for the programs you're applying to. Whatever the appropriate things are, get sent there, and then they get sent to the schools. Right. There are a couple of like it, instances. And it feels like that
2: gatekeeper function, like that kind of clearinghouse thing, k- seems to keep it a little more objective. Like you're not you're yeah. not talking to some admissions officer and going, "Well, you know, yeah. junior is a chip off the old block." Right, mm-hmm. right. What kills me too about this scam is. These are already families of means and there are already incalculable advantages that come from that, like from childhood, right? Being in a stable house, being in a house with educated, wealthy parents. But also like if you take away the sort of lazy entitlement aspect of this, that apparently you get kids to the end of high school and even as a parent, you don't look at your beloved and think that's college material. Like there's sort of an underlying, a bit of like black humor here, right? That you don't think your kid has the chops. But also like if you have $500,000 to wire to someone to get your kid in, you could have put that money into the best tutors. Your kid doesn't have to have a part-time job that take them away from their studies. Yep. Like, this wealth already would have given these kids all kinds of advantages yep. if they put their nose to the grindstone that a ton of other kids wouldn't have had even if the playing field was even at the point of admission to the university. And they still use the money in a different way to vault past the line. Like, that's what kind of kills mm-hmm. me.
1: At what point, when your your daughter is spending much of her time making YouTube videos for money, do you say, maybe hit the books a little more? <laughs> Because obviously maybe, you're doing pretty well with the with the YouTube channel, way better than most people. But 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 maybe, maybe you also want to get an economics degree or a biology yeah. degree. But yeah.
2: maybe you don't. Maybe for a family like that, daughter having a YouTube channel, and making a ton of money or an Instagram page or whatever, is great. And the university is like a fashion accessory. Mm-hmm. Like it's well, just exactly. it's just a thing you do at a certain age, and then you tell your friends, "Oh, Olivia Jade," which is the name she goes by online, is off to USC. Yes. Like, maybe it's just the thing that is done. It has nothing to do with even, like, maybe we're assuming they even have interest in the achievement of college that they don't even have.
0: And maybe, I don't know, I was getting deep on this, maybe, like, some of those actresses and some of those executives didn't go, you know, there's some weird psychological thing in them and that they didn't go to college, and this is their their kid's opportunity, and they're living through their kids or something, I don't know. Anyway... We could go on all day about this. It's fascinating. This. It's
2: got a lot of, there's so much yeah. human drama and motivation built
1: into that story. Yes,
2: there is. Yeah. All
0: right. That's all for us today. Twitter handles, please. I am at S
1: Proudfoot. I am at David Revely.
0: And I am at Turnbull Sarah. We'll see you next time. has been around for thousands of years, but Canadians are increasingly turning to new methods such as mobile wallets and contactless solutions to make everyday payments. No matter what the future of payments holds, Interact will be there to help Canadians transact with confidence across multiple platforms and devices. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.